On this week's episode of the Superhero Show Show, we'll find out if Doom Patrol shows us that Butt Hunter is more than one of Mike's favorite Google searches, what Paul from the Waiting for Doom podcast thinks of the current state of DC movies and television, and if our listeners are cool with shorter episodes just for the holiday season. All of that and more on an all-new episode of the Superhero Show Show. What's up, nerds? Welcome to the Superhero Show Show, the only show on the internet that reviews every single live-action television show based on a comic book, as well as some of the animated ones. My name is Cassie, and I will be the host for this episode. That's right. You you are not mistaken. That is my voice you hear. I'm back, everyone. It feels good. Um, I do have my friends here helping me out as well. First of all, there's Ryan. Mike, this Cassie robot we bought sounds very realistic. Yeah, it's not quite sure if it is Cassie, which we do need to increase <laughs> its confidence. Cassie is the host of this <laughs> podcast. Okay, now it's interrupting. I don't know what Since to do. Since when? Cassie is the best host of this podcast? Oh, it's breaking. It's clearly breaking yeah, down. Yeah, it doesn't know what reality is anymore. The people are cheering for Cassie as host of podcasts. Wait, it's not even saying articles now. <laughs> Robot, do you think that's the cheer is Cassie host of podcast? Cassie, Cassie host of podcast. <laughs> Why is it sparking now? Sometimes spark, you got to spark. Sometimes you have to spark. Sometimes you have to shine. It's crazy that's programmed on the robot. And yeah, that. It's crazy that that is and that is. And that? And that. That's insane. That. Um, it is actually me. It's real life Cassie is here. There is no mm. robot. We do not have the budget for that. Um, I wish we had the budget for that. I would get a different robot, not of me. If we did, would it be 30 feet tall and made of cars? Absolutely. <laughs> it would be a transformer. It Don't would... ruin your Christmas surprise. <laughs> oh, you guys are the best. Um, Ryan, did you miss me? Of course I did, Cassie. Do you know Great. how off the rails this show was? And on the rails because we fucking mainline cocaine when you were gone. <laughs> and drove trains right into each other. That was the most bummer part was that I was missing out on my weekly cocaine stash that is here. And I knew you guys were going for it. Yeah, yeah we well, found it. Yeah, You have a pack mailed to the studio every week. Yeah. It's in my writer and the studio treats me well. And they notice and meet cocaine weekly. 15 pounds though? You can't share some of that? No. I, I've been trying to cut back on 15 pounds, okay? Like, mama needs her fix, and it's 15 pounds of cocaine. Well, we helped you cut back by cutting it. Like, we would do half of it and then fill the rest of the bag with fentanyl. But a cop yeah. saw it and fell over. He passed out, so <laughs> we had to stop doing <laughs> fentanyl that. Fentanyl is a cop's kryptonite. <laughs> that happens. Um, I didn't introduce my other friend, Mike. Mike, how's it going? It's going great. Your fentanyl. This is God. Was that a robot? Now I don't know who's a robot. Mike's a robot. Yeah. How long has he been a robot? For like since you left. Don't <laughs> ask. <laughs> He's got a weird tone as a robot. He kind of draws out some words, and I'm not. I'm not sure if we. Does he? Can he? Be I speak normal. You know what's Great. weird? I think he sounds like a fucking stupid. No wait, this is the real Mike. No. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> Rude. There he is. That's the, absolutely the real Mike. Um, Mike, same question to you. Did you miss me? What? Oh, I'm glad. <laughs> mm. Yeah, let's say. 
Perfect. That's all I needed from you guys. And you know the holiday song, how it goes. Missed me, missed me. Now you have to kiss me. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure um, I know everyone, as I said, the robot said, um, everyone was cheering for me to be back. So I know everyone also missed me, um, which is why we have an extra special episode. Um, the board here said, now that you're back hosting, um, why don't we make this a short one? Today is a, a short episode for us. Yeah, you've and been convalescing. We're going to ease you into it with a couple of short apps. Yeah, thank you so much for that. We do have, um, we're switching it up for a bit for this one, you guys. Uh, have we ever done no poll list? I mean, usually well, when there's no shows to watch, we add shows. But let's let's pull the curtain back. Um, the three of us are also involved with another podcast called Movie of the Year, uh, doing the end of the year oh, stuff. You guys are on taking, that too. Yeah, <laughs> We're on that. there's so many people that you may have missed us. Like, there's a lot. Of yeah, people I thought show, I was invited to that. I didn't realize it was a group thing. The three of us are so hard at work getting shows based on comic books to win the brackets on Movie of the Year that we have to make these shorter for a little while. It has to happen. So you guys will get many doses of us, like I'm getting many doses of cocaine. Um, so we'll get through this. This is a hard season. But for this, uh, today's episode, that yeah. sounds dumb to say. This is an episode. This is an episode. It will is be Cassie put having out. an episode? Yeah. I think so, guys. Um, we are doing just a main event. Where we'll be talking about Doom Patrol. So let's go ahead and go to that. In episode 402 of Doom Patrol... The DP are trying to figure out how to deal with the butt zombie menace of the future. This leads to a change in leadership of the team, much to Rita's chagrin. Meanwhile, we see the secret origin of the zombie butts. Taste buds, I ask you this. We can all appreciate a zombie butt apocalypse, but is this a good backdoor pilot for the weekly hijinks of the Bureau of Normal Normal Normalcy Labs? Backdoor pilot, Cassie? Really? Because yeah. yeah. it's about butts. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. Obviously. Uh, I hope it's not a new show, but I don't know if there's enough there to have a new show. But there's a lot of interesting things going on, um, mostly having to do with, uh, and I don't mean this to be a butt joke. I'm just reading off my script here. Shit poopy? Is that the song they say? Shit poopy. Shit poopy. The girl that's hard to get. (laughs) What is this from, Mike? The Music Man. The Music Man. Uh, Buddy Hackett sings it in The Music Man. Not twin butts that have been unconjoined. Butty hack it. Butty crack it. Butty crack it. Why weren't that their names? Uh, yeah, there's there's always weird stuff going on with the Bureau of Normalcy, which is ironic. What's with the general? Can anybody tell me what's going yeah. on with the general who seems to be a three-year-old? So with all of this stuff, they hire this new person who uh, is a doctor who's going to try to communicate with the butts, and all she does is dance, and that's not the weirdest thing. She trains all the butts to sing sh- shit poopy, and that's not the weirdest thing. But this general who is watching the dance scene fucking eating mowing, down, or mowing down on a cheeseburger <laughs> a like cheese- it's a Carl's Jr. commercial uh, who has like a meltdown because they don't like him. He's just, yeah, he's a toddler. I don't, I don't know about that one. I think that's just a comment on bureaucracy and the higher ups. And you just got to coddle them, I guess. Have you seen this general before? Has he always been like this? Or is uh, this the first time? I, I we don't so know. much shit. I can't yeah. remember. <laughs> Um, but has there been word of like this being, um, the Bureau getting their own little spinoff or you just feel like there's potential? It's just, there's one show this week. What if there (laughs) were two? What if if, let's hear me out? There were two. I would honestly, I would watch it because, um, I do like the, was it, who's the person they brought in? Dr. Dr. Yu. Dr. Yu. Me? Dr. Yu. Dr. Who? 
congrats. Um, I I love her as a character. She was fun. She was just out there dancing around, doing ballet while the stuff was scanning her. And I was like, this is a fun time. This is a fun character you've introduced here. I was a little eye-rolly just because it feels like, you know, like those princess from Walking Dead, flighty, flitty uh-huh. characters we get all the time. Um, but then once she started, once we started actually getting to know her and not just how she trained all the butts, but then was so sad about her little babies yeah her little butt babies her little butt babies being upset or butt hurt as they might say um then i got into her more did you guys know so we we had a cold open and a guy in like a bomb squad at costume is putting away mannequins and rearranging the room he's terrified and a monster kills him were you like oh it's gonna be one of the butts or were you like oh is this a new thing i I figured just because the size of the hole that feels like a butt could (laughs) feel like a butthole I love this show. (laughs) I don't know. I wasn't like emotionally, spiritually, physically prepared for how they would make them butts look. Um, They were terrifying, but also. Well, they're zombie butts. They're zombie butts, but also prior to. Were they. I don't. When we first met them. When we first met them uh, in season one, I think, they were not zombies yet. They were just live butts with teeth. What a beautiful... The the lore, the tracking of these butts is fantastic. But back then, I don't think it was like as taken seriously as it is now. It was kind of (laughs) tongue-in-cheek. The kids are really into that these days. (laughs) Analingus? Yeah. Yeah. We did talk about... um, Back to our DP uh, crew who are dealing with these butts. Double (laughs) penetration. Are you sure we want to make these shorter shows? (laughs) (laughs) We do have... um, the biggest thing going on with them is the uh, the change in leadership with um, they want to take it away from Rita, all because they saw in the future it kind of falls apart for them. And they're like, it's because of Rita's poor leadership. Is that part of it? Or is that she just became leader and just kind of a fucking uppity bitch? Well, she's always been that to them. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. But, but yeah, no I, power, though. They weren't saying, I don't think any of them were saying, this is happening because you were a leader. But they're like... But you were leader and this happened, so what if we change things? And her big idea to change things is to wear flats and that <laughs> Cliff should cuss less and that will help change the future. It's like how Biden got elected and then ruined the economy immediately. Exactly. I don't know why you did it, but he did it. <laughs> Weird move. We Dude. did it, Joe. That's what Kamala meant. <laughs> um, how do you think... I don't know much about Rouge. Madame Rouge. Madame Rouge. A.K.A. What is... Uh, Shit you gotta have something to after AKA Mike. Dog shit McGibbons. I was trying <laughs> yes. to remember her superhero name that Rita gave her last week. Dog shit McGibbons. God, it's such a good nickname. Um, do we like? She seems like a good leader. I know there's a lot of past there, so I don't know. Is she? Is the thing to not worry about with her is like if she'll turn on them or? I mean, I would be nervous, but honestly, with this show, I don't know why they all pointed at her, except that she sort of has more history with history and the future. Yeah, um, I, and I think it's like they said they don't want to hear. They like she is ruthless. Yeah, she knows how to get the, the job done. She's got that minute, dog in her. The minute she got that dog in her and got the job done, then they were upset that she did exactly why they voted her to be leader. Because she was like, "Well, let's take the indestructible guy and have him kill the zombie." And then everybody's like, "We got left behind." I think that's why good leaders don't worry about feelings. Mm-hmm. Which and, why is Cassie? You're such a good leader of the show. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. I was looking for a compliment there. Um. 
but on speaking of that side mission, we do have um we have Rouge and Robot Man. What is Brendan Fraser? Cliff. Cliff. Robot Man though. That's robot, it. Man. robot you got you said his name right and then we're worried you said it wrong. But he <laughs> wants his nickname to be Cliffosaurus, right? Yeah, which is yes. as if I it just clicked this season that Cassie is also not only is she our Madame Rouge, she's our Cliff. <laughs> I don't know if that's an insult or not. It's I'll... an insult. It's an insult. Great. Well, then, fuck you, Mike. Um, <laughs> we do. I did enjoy, like, their side mission of um, this zombie coming up and just getting all philosophical about his tomatoes and just life and how um, he probably does need to be put down was uh, perfectly Doom Patrol and not what I expected. It, but it should have been because it was just, it was a great scene. Yeah, and, and I mean, that's. can speak zombie. <laughs> but sort of. Like, yeah. once he starts speaking too fast, Cliff's like, I don't know what the fuck he's saying. Fuckity fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> I also think that they're doing something here because Cliff is trying not to touch anything. but Because mm-hmm. now he can feel with his hands. Mm-hmm. Trying not to touch anything until um, he can hold his grandson. Yes. And so he puts an oven mitt on. But the oven mitt comes off when he squeezes this zombie's tomato head to <laughs> into tomato sauce. And he gets upset. But I think that... You know, like now it's got blood all over, but I think what we're going to see the show do in the future is how that was uh, that was too lofty of a goal anyway. Like anytime you try to basically touch or guide or whatever with children, that it's never going to be pure. You're never mm-hmm. going to touch them with pure hands. You're always going to bring in your experience and the blood, the all of the blood that's on your ledger, all the right. red in your ledger is going to come with you. So trying to protect anyone from that is a lost cause anyway. And you'll do something worse. Right, like, in order like to lose your smiley oven mitt. In order to <laughs> stay pure, you'll become incredibly even more unpure than you ever were going to. I think that's what they're learning. That's what they're learning. Meanwhile, Jane and Cyborg are pretending to be Bureau of Normalcy folks. Yeah, in their get... street clothes. In their street clothes, and Jane is very upset that somebody named Butt Hunter is going to see in her Jazz Crab T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to talk about Butt Hunter um, a little bit because of course um, you do. I've never seen Mike. I feel like there was two paths in your life where you could have gone. It was this or uh, the physical you right here or Butt Hunter. I saw two potentials. Um, are you, were you a little bummed that you didn't go Butt Hunter? Yeah, I was a little <laughs> bummed that I didn't go full Butt Hunter. I think as Michelle Obama said, when they go low, we go Butt Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that Butt Hunter in this episode was a cross between mike and danny mcbride yeah i first thought it was danny mcbride when he came out but um it's the guy who's danny mcbride light right mcbride jr um but yeah i think i can definitely see the mike in him too not only is he on a constant hunt for butts like mike is but his line delivery of uh butt hunting is not chess no but butt hunting is chess it's not chess but has no example for anything else so it takes 30 (laughs) seconds before you can come up with yahtzee uh, but yeah, man, where... that was a mic delivery. <laughs> <laughs> but but Hunter does give them over what they believe is the final butt, um, the only one remaining out there. Uh, and it, so they now have killed Zombie and the last what they believe the last remaining butt. Um, so they get back and they all get a gold star for being excellent. They don't on the literal Doom Patrol victory chart, which is on the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> Madame Rouge does not have any gold stars yet, but she's going to try and change that. Did you get? Did your guys' family use a sticker chart with you guys? No, we had a chore. We had, my family attempted to have a chore chart, but it was just anytime anybody would leave the room, one of my siblings would rip it up and just put it in the trash, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then go, "I don't know who did that." 
I as a kid didn't know you could rebel against the parents like that. Yeah, dude, it's fucking awesome. Because <laughs> they were in charge of feeding us, so if we said we're not doing that, they said, oh, guess what we're not doing? Why don't you use your bone arrow and hunt for our food? <laughs> yeah, you could have found anything. Um, we also have a lot of, and this is repeated in next week's episode, too, which I already watched. Sorry, spoiler. Um, of They just keep repeating, we're going to save the world. Mm-hmm. And I think what we're starting to see is now that they've decided to become heroes and a team of heroes, specifically... They're sort of putting the cart before the horse and just saying how, like, we're already, we already need to save the world without figuring how they're going to do it, how they're right. going to work together as a team, and even what it const- what, you know, constitutes saving the world. These things do not matter to this team. Mm-hmm. It's just all about, like, the future grandeur as opposed to the current work. Yeah. yeah. They, they say they don't want gold stars. All they want is gold they, stars. They want those gold stars. <laughs> do you think, like, as for the seasons the show has been go- going on, like, they've never been a, successful team i guess you know they honestly haven't been a team to an annoying extent over the first three seasons they yeah. kept every character kept saying every episode we're not heroes we're not a team right and now you know they are this superhero team but do you think we'll ever actually get a team out of this crew like is that in the cards for this future or we this saw it the most in the first episode of this season when they were mm-hmm. taking down cod piece cod piece uh, which is different than the testicle monster? Which is different than yeah, I I do not remember what the testicle monster is that they talked about a lot. Uh, it was very fun to sit down with people who have never heard of the show and they watched this tease two episodes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I uh, I had that too. And the question I just kept getting was, um, they made this, and I'd be like, four seasons, and they were this like, this is one of the most <laughs> successful, just like in longevity DC shows that's been around right now. Plus, I love the question when you're watching something, literally watching something with somebody, and the question is, they made this? (laughs) Yes. I don't know. It's on. (laughs) And it has some good parts. you got to open your heart to these butts, okay? Because it's going to be, they'll they'll surprise you. Once you do, open your hearts to those butts. (laughs) Wait, is that what you said? Yeah, that's exactly what she said. Wait, I meant to say open your butt to those hearts. (laughs) That makes more sense. There we go. That was another butt hunter Yahtzee <laughs> moment from Mike Romano. <laughs> Get two pats. Uh, that- I got you. Got to appreciate Mike's noticing that we're just sitting there stunned before he was like, "Oh, I should probably." <laughs> he was like, "Wait, play back in my head." What I should happened? probably, probably uh, say a correction for the thing I just said. Correction. Um, <laughs> thank you, Robot Mike. That does pretty much um, cover this episode, though. So. If there's no last talking points, I'm going to have to go to moment of the week. I don't have to. I want to, I guess, is the clear thing to say here. No objections from the court. I'm going to go to moment of the week. Mike, what's your moment of the week? I have three, so I can let other people go first because I don't want to get yelled at by Ryan. Perfect. Um, I'll go first. It's obviously <laughs> musical theater butts. Um, their whole That's performance. Clearly one of them is them singing, as Ryan says, shit poopy. Shit poopy. Um, it was beautiful. They gave us the full performance, as they should have. And they had little outfits on, top hats, everything. Um, I loved it. And that's perfect Doom Patrol. It was so entertaining to watch. And then we didn't talk about the stinger of the episode where Dr. Yu gets home from a day of work. Grabs far too big of a bowl for cereal for her tiny body. <laughs> I'm just thinking, Dr. Yu, that is far too much cereal. Makes a bowl of cereal and then hands it to the zombie butt that is at her table. Thomas, the one Thomas. she saved. Thomas. Her precious little butt, Thomas. One of the twins. Her How precious little she's, butt. Man, she's living my dream of feeding my butt food. <laughs> <laughs> I've always wanted to do that. How did she sneak that butt out, by the way? 
There's a lot of chaos because we saw it was a bunch of flashbacks. Enough chaos for a butt to walk out. Yeah, because we saw like the we saw season one of them fighting the butts in the lab, and she was like had her headphones on and was depressed because the Bureau of Normalcy was turning the butts into weapons instead of singing people. <laughs> but she could have also used but. the trench coat um, method. You know how you could stack multiple kids in a trench coat? Just uh, make her ass. Yeah, yeah then suddenly. Put, put an ass on her ass. Yeah, people are like, damn, she got the J-Lo butt. <laughs> it's so easy. The butt is the easiest thing to sneak out of a lab, 100%. I should, I'm always sneaking places in, in my jacket. I should just fill my ass with it. Fill Absolutely. that ass. Like my father's watch. Uh, my moment of the week is obviously uh, butt hunting his chest. It's not. Let's see. <laughs> that that was another one of mine. It's so what a perfect line delivery, and the wackiness that is Doom Patrol. Like any kind of line that makes people go, "Did they write that, or did that guy mess up?" <laughs> and they kept it in. Uh, so we did take two of yours. Did that yes. leave one moment it of the did. week for you, Mike? Uh, the zombies talking about growing his prized heirloom tomatoes, uh, really tickled me and how much he just loved his tomatoes. Uh, they, so do those go to his children then? Now that he's dead? Is that why they call him heirloom? Yes. Yeah. Loom of the heirs. It has to be. But honestly, that tomato did look impressive. It was a perfect little tomato and I was very proud of him for making that tomato. You guys ever just pull a tomato off the vine and just eat it like an apple? Absolutely Mm -hmm. not. I'm not a monster. It bursts in every direction. <laughs> Hating where this conversation is going. That is... It runs all down your feet and your toes. <laughs> Doom oh, yeah, Patrol. That's it for the toes. second episode, guys. What a great episode it was. Um, that's all the time we have to talk about it. But I do have time to talk about websites, you guys. I love websites. And I've heard, Mike, you have a big website coming I up. I do. A big website plan. Slimetime.com. <clears throat> <Tom. laughs> <laughs> is... What? Dot dot com.com? Dot com.com. Dot com.com. And it's where you, yeah, because slimetime.com was taken. Sure. Uh, <laughs> so the cycle of nostalgia is quickening, quickening, and something that has yet to come back and it's about to is slime. When celebrities were being slimed from every single direction, uh, kids were playing with slime. There were ghosts named Slimer. Uh, so slimetime.com.com is <laughs> where people can go to uh, order slime. Order slime uh, projectile devices and also slime warnings. Do you uh, are you worried about going to Albuquerque? Check that slime weather. <laughs> is there footage on your website of Katy Perry getting absolutely? Yes, that is by slime. before you. You have to click through that to, to get to the rest of the website. <laughs> Somebody I, was trying to murder her that day. Has she ever recovered? <laughs> that was the last time I heard of her. <laughs> she never went to anything ever again. Um, Mike, I do. Can like people who are want to be like slime chasers? Um, is there any potential for them to use this website? Like, can like a storm predict? chaser type? Like a yeah. if Bill Paxton, may he rest in peace, and Helen Hunt wanted to chase around slime, slime, yes, they could yeah. certainly go around here. This is like the go-to source for them. Yeah. Like, does it say on your website that the director of Minari is directing the Twister reboot? It does say that. Okay, that's just a fact that should be on your website. <laughs> it's so important <laughs> that it's there. And now that it is, and now I know this is a vitally important website, um, slimetime.kime.com, uh-huh. um, I got to send you over to my friend cyrusprout.net because they're going to help you build this website. You want that video of Katy Perry showing up first thing, no matter what, they have to watch that. 
Cybersprout is going to help you do that. You know why? Because they focus on collaboration. They work hand in hand with you. They offer premium hosting that's specifically built for WordPress. They handle security, maintenance, backups, and speed optimization. It's easy to manage. They have easy to edit fields. If you want to get your hands in there, you want to drag some little little things, and you want to make yeah, a website. Drag the slime. <laughs> you want to do that? They'll give you that option too. Cybersprout.net, your partner for a digital world. That is it for the show. No, it's not. Let's do an interview. Let's do an interview. We do have an interview. It's going to be part two of Waiting for Doom. So let's go ahead and go to that right now. Let me ask you this. What, outside of Doom Patrol, which, uh, like, as far as all the TV that we watch on my podcast is one of our favorite shows, um, where do you see the state of comic book TV and movies right now? You lived a large part of your life with almost none of it, or it was basically all crap. And then over the last 15 years, we've been inundated. Uh, do you still get excited when you see, you know, mainstream or, you know, more niche characters getting their own TV show, getting their own movie? Does it still fill you with delight? Um, it mostly makes me nervous because um, I, I don't trust DC much. I mean, it might be better with James Gunn, but um, I remember really looking forward to Green Lantern and then, uh, hearing the reviews, and then it came out two months after America, so that was a very dark time in my life. And uh, when I saw the film, it was like having witnessed a murder. So you know, yeah. So you, that you carry that feeling with you. Yeah. So that's we we talked about Jonah Hex and Green Lantern. Um, those are two of just two of the worst movies I've ever seen. Do you still? Do you, but they were a while ago. Um, do you still have them in your head when you see a preview for like Blue Beetle or this new Flash movie that's coming up? <clears throat> yeah, um, I'm very excited about Blue Beetle just because I love the source material and I, as far as I can see, they've cast it really well. But you just worry about what sort of interference has happened. You know, what has what decisions have they made to try and make a safer hit and compromised it? And you just don't know, but um, Peacemaker was probably the best thing that's they've ever produced. So one of my favorites um, and the suicide squad was a really good move. Uh, not for everybody though. So, you know, but I just want to see them put a Superman film on, on screen that someone can take their 10 year old to without, you know, a bit of counseling uh, before or after. So that would be fantastic. <laughs> So you think that getting Zack Snyder the fuck away from all these properties is probably a good idea? Well, yeah, because um, he does tone, not um, character. So he, he's cherry-picking the cool moments from the comics and saying, I want that scene and not, you know, like the death of Superman has resonance to, uh, re- resonance to fans because it, you know, it came after 50 years of Superman being around or 70 years. So, you know, it wasn't the first thing that happened to Superman. It was the last thing at that point. So, and to bring him back from that was, you know, we're doing a story about what is the world like without Superman. We're not doing, you know, oh, it's cool that he died and now he's back. There's more to it than that. So you're, you're able to investigate what does Superman need to mean to the world? And when he's gone, how does the world cope? And, the Superman in Zack Snyder's vision isn't Superman. He's just a guy who is kind of scary and I would run like hell if he, you know, ever came near my town. So, you know, so he's not beloved. He's not the hero of everyone's childhood like he is in the comics. So his death has no meaning and him coming back has no meaning. But 
you know, cool visuals and you get to do Doomsday. So high five. So It's the first Superman to, yeah. uh, to make you think, well, maybe Luther's right. Maybe Luther has a point as far as this alien <laughs> goes. Yeah. Uh, do you watch Superman and Lois? I did. Yeah, I love that one. It's very good. Okay. So is is that a... Are they handling Superman right to you? Yeah, yeah. No, that's... Uh, I was nervous going into that because, you know, Superman with older kids is not something that was in the comics at the time. And But that's been really well done. And part of it is... You know, it's there's a lot of uh, knowledge of the source material and respect for the source material, but they're not slaves to the source material. So they're they're picking things and they're telling stories, and they're not doing you know what are the big villains you have to do. They're sort of going, okay, what are the other villains we can uh, either create or uh, cherry pick and say let's do a story with those, and they kind of play with your expectations. So if you're a comic reader, they know that you know all these things. So if they introduce this character, you know, all the, you know, all the nerds can say, oh, that's going to be that one. And then they twist it. So, and they're not just doing it for the hell of it. They're doing it so they can surprise you in an enjoyable way. So yeah, the state of DC TV is actually pretty good compared to the state of uh, DC movies. Um, And, you know, I think Marvel have done, everything right and i wish dc had done it the same way but uh you know marvel have have the problem of they they reached a crescendo and they you know with endgame and everyone was cheering and then they have to you know keep doing a concert yeah. um you, you know encore so everything's encore. yeah and it's everything since that has seemed like a, a support act that you're not really sure about you know and some of it works quite well but you know you gradually have to lower your expectations. I mean, uh, like seeing Winter Soldier and Civil War, you know, those days are gone where, you know, every Marvel film was something you had to see in the cinema and you would drop everything to do so. Um, Now it's, you know, I hope this one's good and if it's really good, I'll probably watch it at home. (laughs) Yeah. I I like to think of Phase 4 as far as Marvel goes is that weird girl that you hook up in between two long-term relationships. You know, like... (laughs) doesn't smell great and she's kind of boring but you just gotta get from point a to point b Uh, (laughs) you said i think you said the perfect thing going back to snyder when you said not a slave to the source material but respect it and i think that's the thing that just was very clear that he did not particularly with superman but i think with all all the characters you know I, i can see more respect to aquaman in his own movie than in anything Zack snyder did if if i had james gunn here right now and you as a big DC TV movie comic book fan, what would you try to convince him to start it all over, start from scratch? Or would you go the route of like, we can have this Joker movie over here and this version of Batman over here and just have every director, every filmmaker tell their own story in separate worlds? I would probably go the, the, the second route because... Basically, you're you're getting the right person for the source material, not the let's build a universe, which DC keeps trying to do, and they haven't had the solid bones to do it. Um, you know, and as soon as you start building a, a cinematic universe, you have the problem of people aging and actors, and you know, like you have to pay them more every time you bring them back, and it hurts them more every time you bring them back. So, you know, you've got someone like. Daniel Craig just dying to get away from the James Bond franchise because his body aches from the third film <laughs> right? and things like that. 
yeah, still so, from two movies ago. Yeah, so I would rather they said, okay, we want to do exploit Blue Beetle, let's do the best Blue Beetle film we can and not go what's the sequel or what's the next event that features Blue Beetle. You know, they, yeah, they need to get some runs on the board of just solid good films that serve the material well and entertain. Like I think DC's been trying so hard to build something that it's forgotten to entertain people, you know, and even the films that, you know, aren't too bad, you know, they're not up to scratch. Like a, an okay Marvel film is better than most of the really good DC films, you know, unfortunately, you know, but I would rather they do a Batman like the one we just got, which is, you know, it stands alone. It's weird. Uh, You know, the problem in the past I saw was they looked at Christopher Nolan's trilogy and said, let's do Superman the same way. And it's like, "Mm, no, don't do Superman the way Superman should be. You know, Superman is inspirational. He has all the power in the world, yet he still does the right thing. And if you want to hurt him, you hurt the ones he loves and, you know, give him moral choices that suck. You don't, uh, you know, make him have to kill someone. Oh, yeah. If you're going to have a company tone, you know, like Marvel does sort of, where it's kind of brighter and more jokey than DC movies often are. Uh, Don't pick Christopher Nolan, who is a singular (laughs) voice and is done. Like he's leaving. So now it's going to all feel like mimicking a master instead of coming up with this as a group. It's just, yeah, I think it's been, except for bright spots, I think it's been disaster decision after disaster decision. Do you, I know that you said you're excited to see what James Gunn does, but are you betting that this is the guy, this is going to be the guy to rescue everything? Um, I would put more money on him than most people. Like, uh, uh, I like Jeff Johns's writing, but I think Jeff Johns does a thing where he, he wants his version on screen of something. So he, a lot of his uh, comic work is to um, to make a clean slate of something that can be exploited, you know, in other media. And he brings in new versions of characters, creates characters, and he sort of does. I mean, Stargirl is fantastic, but you know that was really early in his career that he wrote that, and since then he's he's gotten a little bit more. Um, weird and rebooty and everything and you know yeah i mean there's a weird sort of situation in the comics where they will have you know four people trying to do the architectural plans for where the universe is going at once and they're all in competition with each other yeah. um and it doesn't build a good house it just means that everyone's undermining each other it's like uh you know you don't want your team to do really well at the cost of another team you want all the teams to do well um you know and i think that that can apply to the comics as well, but, you know, stop trying to make a shared universe happen, you know, um, just, just do your best, do a good, really good film. And if there's organic ways to build, you know, sort of sub universes where, you know, you could have a street level DC thing with, you know, the question and characters like that, but yeah, not everything's going to be suited for that. And, you know, there are some characters who aren't suited to be seen in endgame level stories, you know, or, yeah. But DC has a problem of, you know, people go, what are the big hits? Oh, it's the killing joke. It's um, Crisis on Infinite Earths. And they are, they're stories that work because of all the stuff that came before that wasn't like that. They're not, you know, where you start from. So... Yeah, Yeah, it's it's based uh, on years and years and years of continuity that made those stories so effective. And Marvel is trying to do it with the MCU to build in those years, but it's still not as effective as 50 years of continuity to just 
slam it home right away. We're going to start this universe. Superman's going to die. Then he's going to come right back. Like that's not going to have an effect on audiences. No, no. I mean, that should be your fourth Superman film, if anything. And, right. You know, and uh, Zack Snyder's plan to work Superman into becoming the Superman that everyone knows and loves by the end of, you know, four films or five films is just insane. It's, you know, yeah, it's like, it's not, it's Bob the Builder, except he's not a builder and everyone hates him and he's going to become Bob the Builder at some point, you know. <laughs> do you think mainstream audiences, so non-dorks, do yeah. you think that they can, they're at the point where they can accept this is Robert, Rob, Robert, Batman is Robert Pattinson over here, Batman's Ben Affleck over here. Like, do you think that's all fine with them? I think, I think so. I think Batman is, you know, a Batman film is about Batman and it's just a different person. You know, I don't think people get hung up on that Um, because Batman is, it's a hell of an image. It's a hell of a silhouette that people see, you know, and you, you know, we've had so many Batman films with different characters, different actors. We've had different interpretations in the cartoon. He's such a flexible character as far as tone and interpretation. You know, you can do a story that's like Seven. Um, you can do a Scooby-Doo team-up and no one goes, well, you've broken the character. Um, whereas I think the Superman thing is a little harder because he's completely unmasked all the time. And, you know, you're relying on the actor. Do they... Uh, convey the the strength and you know moral certainty of the character and confidence um yeah so superman is a little bit harder but things like blue beetle you know as far as i'm concerned that's iron man to most people but back you know 15 years ago who the hell's iron man who's blue beetle you know yeah so that's got to work by having a killer trailer and good word of mouth that will get people to go and see it and you know, even that, I mean, even making a great film isn't a guarantee that anyone will go and watch it. Like, you know, people remember, you know, people will punish you for what you did before <laughs> with what you're doing now. So, right. you know, everyone saw Oblivion and thought, well, Tom Cruise sucks now. So no one went and saw Edge of Tomorrow, even though that's a 50 times a better film. So, <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. He had an okay year, though, this year. I would <laughs> say that he's, he might be back on top. Um, yeah. Before I get you out of here, I want to talk about one thing. I found out about a podcast today called DCOCD. Uh, can you explain to me what that is? <laughs> All right. So uh, once upon a time, DC only did one event, and that was the Crisis on Infinite Earths. And then gradually they thought, okay, this, this sold really well. We'll do another event the year after, and then we'll do another event the year after that. And then gradually they're going, oh, these are great. These sell really well. We'll do two every year and then we'll do, you know, three every year and we'll do this one, but it's not really an event. It leads into the next event. So it's just the the prologue. So I have uh, read them all and I really like DC Comics. So I thought let's um, basically start reviewing all the events in order and scoring them. And how do you score an event? Well, we decided you need to score it on art and writing, but also impact. So how much does this event matter to the DC universe? And the other thing that you want to score it on is how damn big is it? How cool is it? And that's, we call that eventiness. So we came up with this scale. So how eventy is this event? Does it involve everyone? Does it have really big deals that happen? You know, and so 
we started reviewing the events and at the end of them, we had three people and we all give them a score and we average that out into out of 100 and then we whack them all on a table on our website waiting to do them. <laughs> um, so if you want to go and see which event is the best and which one is the worst, we have quantified them all um, and we're still going because they never stop. So every now and again now we have to take a break because um, you can't talk about the impact and legacy of an event as it's happening sure. <laughs> or if it just finished because you don't really know. Whereas some events you can go, well, this character has a TV show. So, you know, obviously that character resonated and lasted. So, yeah. So it's it's a lot of fun. It's very breezy. Um, it's all wrapped in a sort of um, psychological session that I've been having with the same doctor. Uh, so there's, you know, humorous intros. Um, yeah. But uh, also, if you just want to know what an event's about, it's a really good way to get a snapshot of that event without committing to reading 104 comics, depending on the size. Yeah, because Crisis was like 12 issues, a maxi series, right? You just Yeah, with tie-ins, yeah. Um, oh, there were tie-ins in the 80s? Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, but now uh, an event will be four months and it could hit every single DC book on the stand. Yeah, and you need to have a you know CSI murder chart to keep track of all the bits and pieces that feed into them at some points. I'm looking at the uh, ranking right now, and I'm trying to some trying to find something to argue with you because that's what makes good content. Uh, I'm not seeing anything. <laughs> uh, a lot of my favorites are at the top. Again, I'm a Marvel guy, so I haven't read all <laughs> of these. But the number one right now, can I spoil this? Is this? Okay. Uh, you can go. Yeah, spoil it. I mean, it'll either make people want to listen or turn them off, which is either way works. <laughs> so uh, three of the biggest ones of all time, Crisis, 52, and Blackest Night, are, and Kingdom Come, those are in the top five. But number one is JLA Avengers, a very important comic book to me. But I, before you read that, were you surprised? Like for the episode, before the episode, were you surprised that it was that fucking good? Um, I had read it before, but I, I had a, a George Perez Uber fan on. Um, <laughs> so, Did they yeah, put their it, on the scale? <laughs> yeah, and he made very persuasive arguments of why its eventiness and impact uh, really matter. Um, you know, in some ways, it was the event to end all events as far as crossovers. So after that, where do you go? You've you've done the biggest event ever. So there's nowhere else to go. So that is the impact of that one. You know, you can, <laughs> you've already climbed Mount Everest. You know, there's no point, you know, doing anything else. Do you remember having to vote for like Aquaman versus Namor who would win? <laughs> yes. You could actually vote. George Perez, who we just lost, I think, this year. Um, yeah. His big thing was, correct me if I'm wrong, like, even if there's 2,000 characters in the panel, everyone will get its detail. Yeah. Yeah, and they'll get a different face, a different pose, and he'll draw a fantastic rubble around them, and he won't use the rubble to hide their feet, like some artists. <laughs> what? Maybe aforementioned artists in this segment. Um, <laughs> one last question about this, because I've been going back to read uh, OG Marvel issues written by Stan Lee, which are sometimes tough to get through. Um, yeah. When you go back to... Because I'm assuming like you reread or at least re-familiarize yourself with these issues before the show is it sometimes hard when they're not modern is it hard to like get yourself up and get from issue to issue to issue when they're from the past absolutely yeah i i find golden age comics generally suck um i find it quite hard to read silver age stuff you know it just doesn't have the the characterization and pacing uh, that you want. I mean, in some cases, the stories are really quick and then they're done. But, you know, there is a very uh, 
real sense of these were churned out by people who's, you know, it was their job and some days their job sucked, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> you know, and then the artists would do their best with things. But, you know, there are really bright spots. Like one of the things about the Doom Patrol is they probably are one of the best Silver Age comics of the time and they are not um, unpleasant to read because you are going to see some really great art and some really crazy stuff um, and some fun imaginative work. Um, but at the same time, it, that's a, that's what it relied on. They didn't rely on the characterization of uh, Cliff or Rita or Larry. You know, they were just there to do the job. It wasn't any navel-gazing about, you know, how they felt as anything happened, right. you know. Um, so, yeah, it is very much a surface-level story. Um, so, yeah, but you can go back, I mean, and look at them through a con- uh, context of the modern lens and say, all right, Chief did these things. These are pretty um, iffy things for him to do. So, therefore, you can conclude that his moral compass isn't quite wound as tight as it ought to be, um, you know, and extrapolate from that. Yeah, he was always a bad guy because he was doing, he was treating people as tools the whole way along, even though, you know, that was the way just about all stories were written back then. You know, your team went out and did the job for you whether they wanted to or not. So, yeah. So, I I can't spend a lot of time with old comics, but, you know, Doom Patrol was, that was one of the nicest things. We could jump around. We, We never did them in order and we've actually covered every single Doom Patrol comic at this point. So, you know, but we jumped around. So we'd do a Silver Age story one week, then we'd do a um, Grant Morrison the next week, then we'd do some, you know, 70s interim stuff, and then we'd do the latest, you know, and there were there are there is a Doom Patrol run that absolutely sucks and we hated it. Um, and, yeah, we um, uh, it was written and drawn by an artist who should be better, but um, we did it. We built up to it with segments called Burn For You. Um, so... So the John Byrne run is awful. Gotcha. John Byrne. Okay. <laughs> I, I've heard that if he hears people on the internet mention his name, he will come after you. So yeah, I, yeah. I might bleep that out later. Um, <laughs> but yeah, John Byrne. One last question, Paul, before I let you go. Um, how great is it? And I, I'm sure this is not why you started the podcast, but uh, just, you know, a, a hap- lucky event. Um, how great is it that d- the word doom it's so punnable and rhymes with so many things. You can turn it into anything you want. It doesn't that help your podcast a lot. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, our main segment every week is called Doom Splaining, so, you know, and we've got the mailbag of Doom. Um, yeah, so there there is a lot of uh, opportunity there. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's it was a good choice of um, subject matter in hindsight that you know we were fairly naive about making and waiting for Doom. The name kind of works because it you know there's always more Doom Patrol coming even if it's actually happening at the time. So there is a new comic series starting uh, early next year. Finally, so after we had Jared Gerard Way um, write a very interesting run for a, a very long time because he can't write things on in a timely manner. So. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if you hire a celebrity to write your comic, you're going to get a celebrity's timeline. Um, <laughs> Paul, can you tell us where to find your shows? Um, if we had anything called a network, it would be called the Waiting for Doom Network. So all our shows are on Waiting for Doom. Uh, we have a website called waitingfordoom.com, so that's kind of easy. Uh, but, yeah, 
go there. If you want to dip your toes into the DCOCD, you can go look at uh, all the episodes in uh, the episode order or the rank order, and then you can, you know, click on one and listen. <laughs> so you can say, oh, I read that one. I want to hear what they think. Um, and we we kind of love it. I mean, we're, we're not super serious about everything. They're kind of uh, smart-arsy and fun. Um, and there's a couple of other shows we do, uh, one called Dial F for Flanger, which is just an excuse for me to talk about something with someone. Uh, Flanger is my sometime nickname. And we do The Gary Show, uh, which uh, Mike and I, I mean, more and more we just wanted to do podcasts without preparation, and that was an excuse just to talk to each other. Yeah. <laughs> I find the longer I go in this game, the more I'm searching for shows without preparation. Uh, I highly, highly recommend uh, Waiting for Doom, and I'm going to dive into DC OCD as soon as possible. Paul, thank you so much for being here tonight. Thank you so much. All right, we are back from that interview. Mike, how would you rank um, that interview? How do you think Ryan did on that one? You know what? Last week, I think it was a little slow, but he picked up steam, and he did just fine. He really picked it up in part two. I absolutely agree with you. Um, that is it for our short episode, though, which means it's just time for outro stuff. And Mike, you're the only guy who knows all the website info. Um, so I'm gonna need you to come in here and tell me about these websites. All right, you got to go to popfilter.co. That's where everything we put out lives. Popfilter.co. Throw a little slash Amazon on there. There is still time to get those holiday presents in the mail. Popfilter.com/slash/amazon is how you're gonna do it. Then head over to patreon.com slash yourpopfilter. Maybe that's what you should give a loved one is a subscription to patreon.com slash yourpopfilter. Give them all kinds of things for their aural pleasure throughout the year. (laughs) I hate that. Um, Even better if they don't know what it is, just give them a subscription just to that. That's perfect. It's the perfect gift for the person who has everything, a subscription to your pop filter. Absolutely. Uh, Was there another website? No. Okay. (laughs) great that's all the websites that's a wrap on that we do have some other shows on the network though that you should be listening to of course the other one is movie of the year it's where mike ryan and greg sit down together they use science they use screaming they use friendship to figure out what is the best movie of the year you guys are wrapping up 2002 no we are going to take an extended 2002 break uh to talk about 2022 for a while now we're currently starting back to 2002 yes so you will get some other voices aka me over there too be sure to check those out it's a fun time over on movie of the year right now um we also have social media mike can you tell me about that at your pop filter on twitter and instagram for now we're exploring the options of all the you know there's it's whack-a-mole for the twitter replacements right now we don't know where we'll end up but i'm sure we'll end up somewhere just um you tell us where to go we'll do something maybe i'm on be real personally that's the only personal thing i have right now i have like four friends hell yeah um we might join over there but next week you guys it's another mini episode we're gonna be talking about doom patrol episode three plus mike is gonna talk to the guys from the greatest songs ever sung poorly uh so that is that that is that for this that That is is it for this week (laughs) for mike i'm ryan for ryan i'm mike for caitlin and me and for me i am me bye everyone bye